Oh, I guess just give more, you know, give the girls the confidence to do it, give them more access to leadership roles. Uh, I think actually all my managers are, are girls. Um, and just, yeah, give them the confidence just to be able to have those opportunities because, like, they're really, they're really awesome at it, especially in, in our industry. And anyone can do it. I don't know, I don't know even why the whole equality thing is a thing anymore. Welcome to A Table for Two, inspiring and educational interviews and stories with the best operators, owners, and entrepreneurs in business and the hospitality industry. My name is Phil Halani, and on today's episode, we chat to Georgina Venzen, one of Brisbane's best restaurateurs. Georgina started in hospitality at the age of 14, washing dishes, working front of house, and learning what the industry is all about. Now, at the age of 31, and with over 10 stores, Georgina is what you call a real girl boss. She made her name in the now famous Pawpaw Cafe and was also one of the first to use social media to attract customers to her cafes and restaurants. In today's episode, we chat about women in hospitality, mental health, running a business with your partner and family, not taking bad feedback too personal, the power of social media and how even with 10 hospitality venues, it's so important to get the right legal advice for every venue, no matter how much experience you have. We recorded this podcast via Zoom and I'm pretty happy with the quality and how it turned out. A quick shout out to our good friends at ProCal Dairy and Sonoma Bread. They are passionate about supporting small businesses, the hospitality industry, and also this podcast. I started the interview by asking Georgina how she got her start in hospitality. Perfect. So um, I started hospitality very young at 14. My dad had a Thai restaurant that he purchased at that time at a bit of a midlife crisis um, and I started working there as a dishy um, and eventually went front of house. So that's where it all began. And, and, how, and how old, sorry, were you when you started that? 14, 14 years old. And was it? And I'm now 31 in January, so, so a long time ago. And, and like when you started working at 14, did you think you wanted to um, create a career in hospitality? Um, I definitely wanted to do something in uh, more event management. I definitely didn't think I wanted to do restaurants or cafes, um, but I definitely wanted to be working around people. um, So in that, still in the hospitality sector, but didn't think restaurants, cafes at the time. All right. And so while you were working in hospitality, um, you said obviously you went to university and you studied events management? Yes. Yes. Did, did that help you? Uh, obviously, you do events and whatnot at, at, in, in your cafes. You, you know, you create, you have engagements, parties. But do you think your university degree helps you um, with your career in hospitality? Listen, it didn't help me with what I'm doing specifically. But I have always encouraged people to travel. I'm not not to travel. Off topic. Travel is next step to study <laughs> because because I feel like it teaches you discipline. Um, so it's not, we don't need to do this to go open up a business, but studying something, even if it's just you finishing a book, reading it from start to finish, um, it teaches you the, the, the discipline that you need in this industry for the time that it takes to kind of get things taken off and what you need to do because obviously it doesn't happen overnight. So I like the discipline that study teaches you, but my degree itself was not necessary for me to be doing what I'm doing. Awesome. I guess, you, so your degree essentially, other than university, it was kind of working in the business, reading books, podcasts, all those kind of things, kinds of things. Yes, 
Exactly, exactly. And from my degree, we had to do internships as part of our study. Um, and I learned the most from that. So even if people didn't get work experience in any form of business that they want to do, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great advice. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, I know a little bit, like personally, I know a little bit about your, you know, your experience, your hospitality experiences, whatnot, because we've spoken and, and I've bothered you a lot <laughs> over the last six or seven yeah. years. But um, you obviously started, your, your dad started, Raymond, who is a beautiful human, um, started Mon, uh, Mons Ben Savai. Is that how we say it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then since then, you guys have opened um, 10 amazing, uh, it's over 10 venues now. Do you, do you know exactly how yes, many? Yes. Yes. 10 venues. Yeah, I think it's 10. Yes. Yeah. And probably the most famous um, one and still is, is Pawpaw, um, which used to be Green yes. green Papaya, right? Yes. Yeah, so it used to be Green Papaya, has a very long history. Um, a famous lady named um, Leanne, who's a Vietnamese chef, used to own it, and her son was in the band Regurgitator. So it has a very good name from before heart, before us. And, yeah, we've been in there now um, 10 years. So Pop was 10 years old, which is a very big achievement, which we get to celebrate. That's awesome. In hospitality, that's that's so hard to achieve, hey? Very crazy. What was that? Sorry, you just cut out that last bit. I'm, I'm very crazy to still be doing it as well. <laughs> um, and and there's, there's a real cool story about um, Green Papaya where you you essentially came in where the restaurant, even though it was getting great reviews, it wasn't making a lot of money, the rents were high, and you obviously came in, there was a section in the restaurant that was that was empty and you came in and, and turned it essentially into a cafe? Yes. Can you tell us a little yes, bit? Yes, I can tell you a bit of shorthand. Yeah, so what it was, so obviously we took over the lease um, as Green Papaya so it was sold um, between us and Leanne and that it had a very good reputation and the previous owners before us didn't have such a good reputation. So we went in there and we just took over the lease and we started running that. Um, and the place itself is about 200 square metres. So this is going um, 10 years ago. There was only really the coffee club and not really any specialty coffee shops as there are today. Um, and it, it was obviously very high rent, very big spot, and it was hard to fill that whole venue. So what we did, and the building has a quite quirky, funny design. It's a bit pokey. So it's um, pretty much the front, you walk in, and then then there's the, the bar section and the kitchen, and then you walk through a corridor, and then there is the back dining, which is now our function room. Um, but probably going on eight years ago when we opened up Purple as it is, um, we we put in we hired chefs put in a coffee machine and we retrofitted the back room so you came in the back door it was Pawpaw Cafe and then you come in the front door and it was Grand Empire so we had two restaurants with completely separate teams running out of the one building which is actually probably what things people are starting to do again now um, yeah. but yeah so that's how it all began. That's amazing and obviously you you obviously turned that in and that was your kind of first experience into into cafes was it? Yes, that was our first cafe, exactly. Awesome. So I learned everything new with regards to coffee and breakfast and brunching and eggs on toast and all that kind of stuff. So how, how do you how do you go from um, your family owning a restaurant to turning – like what do you know about cafes? Like you said, there was nothing really other than the coffee club. How, how did you what, – what do you know? What was like – what was the education there for you to open it or did you just wing everything? We winged everything. There was no education. Um <laughs> We found so at the time Campos was the best uh, coffee roastery out at the time. So we went with them because we went with someone who 
knew what they were doing and was able to train us and give us the knowledge that we needed. Yeah. Uh, we had the chef that we hired was a friend of a friend and he um, had just finished his apprenticeship, um, but he was an adult apprentice and he had done some really quirky dishes before. So we put all, uh, we just hired him and we said, run with it. Um, and then obviously I put myself, I was on the floor and I hired a barista and, um, she's here working today. So she's been with me 10 years. That's amazing. Um, Amy's yes. That's awesome. She's part of the family now. Yeah. And and from there, obviously you've, you've created, um, again, over 10 venues and what, what you have this amazing ability to find sites, some taking over existing or rundown sites and then turn them around. Can you explain what your strategy is when you're looking for a site and, and where, where the potential is and how you see the potential? Perfect. So, yeah, what we do is we love to flip venues. So go into places that already have, um, you know, somewhat fundamentals that are existing for the kitchen, you know, the grease trap, a little bit of equipment left over, other things where you spend a lot of money doing on a, on a brand new fit out. Um, and we're just always keeping our eyes peeled. There's no set um, – you know, area that we're looking for. We're always just looking, you know, on real commercial, looking on Gumtree, looking for potential spaces that have come up and where there is something lacking in that area. So where there's probably not many other cafes. We normally go out where no one wants to go because everyone wants to have their business in the trendiest spot yeah, with, the, you know, these high rents and everything. So with when we, when we are doing that, we're looking for a place where no one wants to go, the rents are low, um, no one's thought to do anything there and then normally they pick up very quickly because everyone is just excited in the area to have something, um, you know, good and it doesn't have to be the best, but they have something there that, that you know, they can't get, you know, a good coffee or a good breakfast and we go into those areas and we give them something, you know, a little bit quirky, a little bit cool and tr- a little bit trendy, doesn't have to be the trendiest yeah. um, and then they've taken off really quickly and also low um, risk and low investment. Um, which is what we like to do with regards to, you know, especially starting off, and that's advice we've given everyone, including yourself, (laughs) Um, is a great way to start. (laughs) Yeah, the advice, and I remember so many times I'd obviously reach out to you and and you were always very, very, very generous with your time. And and that was advice, obviously, you know, you you don't want to be going, and we we found a site that, you know, we obviously got some contribution from the shopping centre and they helped out. But um, obviously going into your first site, that risk is massive. So obviously, like you said, keep an eye, keep, keep the cost down you can buy secondhand equipment it doesn't have to be brand new right exactly a hundred percent because at the end of the day you know in our business people are coming for you know good service good food good coffee whatever it is they don't yes a beautiful fit out does definitely add to it i'm not saying it doesn't but when you are starting out they're still going to love coming to your shop if you're making giving them friendly service and a well-made coffee or whatever it is that you're doing that's not a deal breaker for them if it doesn't have shiny new wheels yeah totally. you know so if you can keep those overheads down it will give you time just to not be so stressed settle in and then when you start making money then do your next one you know more shiny and new yeah 100 percent. and do you um obviously you have a great eye for detail do you design a lot of your stores on your own yeah so everything to date we have done uh, on our own um only right now is um as i said we're doing this for so long, I'm about to do my first brand new build of the new shop that we're doing. And this is something that's taken since 14 to 31 to do. Wow. Um, but yeah, we're always just, you know, very DIY, just like everyone's DIY renovating their yeah. houses. You can do that as well with your restaurant as well. And and obviously, you know, 
with, with that background of kind of designing your own shops? Has it just been through through inspiration? Obviously, um, we've spoken before. You love to travel to Bali. A lot of your venues, you know, you're inspired by Bali and whatnot. Is it just kind of inspiration, or yeah, yeah is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, just inspiration. Anyone can do it. Like create a Pinterest board. That's the best thing to do. Um, look for some sort of style that you like and then once you do that, it will pop up with other similar things and then you can just go on a tangent. So travel is definitely amazing Um, but obviously right now, COVID, we cannot travel. So just getting on Pinterest, getting on Instagram, looking at inspiration and just making those mood boards of things that you like and then then bringing that all together. Yeah, 100%. And I think we'll chat a little bit about COVID and, and obviously your next plans if you're allowed to talk about those. But um, yep. you obviously have um, all your businesses, um, if I'm correct, are all run owned with family. Is that correct? Yes, yes. And that's obviously been super successful and it's worked for you. What's what's the pros and cons of working with family or partnerships? Um, the cons is seeing a family too much <laughs> and you're starting to bicker a little bit. <laughs> But the pros is that the the safety of it and no one loves your business as much as you do and your family will love it as much as you do. Yeah. So, of course, with that trustworthiness, that is definitely a huge safety blanket. Awesome. So that's something, yeah, we've been very, very tight and only working with family so far. Um, and, yeah, only as of recently we've started discussing, you know, so having in partners which are not within blood and marriage <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that scary it is scary um but i guess we have now the confidence that we can you know it's going to be our way if we do do that but it definitely is scary because if you don't and you want to make sure you know the people well you definitely don't want to go into a partner if it's just for financial reasons because then you lose control and that's why we've always kept it within the family, yeah. um, especially in hospitality, our style of business is you want to have control. It is your baby. You want to do it your way. So, yeah, if you can keep it without having to outsource an investor, then then just keep it within your tight knit. It can be your, your friend as well if, if you know that you get along well or have done a business together. But it is very tricky working with other people and you just want to make sure that you have the same same vision and also the same way of working as well. So that you you know you work the same way that so there is no fighting and stuff especially at work yeah. in this industry. And obviously you know you've worked with your dad from day one, um, and yes. you're you're now working with your partner. Uh, any advice for yes. people working with the partner? So obviously I've obviously got my wife who's who's involved with the business as well, and as we grow she'll be more involved. Is what's one piece yes. of advice um, working with a partner? What would you give? Um, try not to make sure you have the same job role and you're not physically working together all day every day I would definitely never tell anyone to do that again okay. um, me and my partner Chris we spent at the beginning a lot of when we started working together a lot of work quite side by side and it was hard for us um, you know working side by side and then going home and then just talking about work um, so now we have definitely like I am we've really separated the job role like I am you know, looking after the staff. I'm the boss to the staff. I'm having the staff meetings where he's more financials. So he's doing all the back of house stuff and it just gives us a better align. It's also better for the staff of knowing who the one boss is because it was getting a bit confusing as well when he'd say something and I'd say something. Yeah, totally. So just defining your job roles and trying to keep them 
separate if you can. I love that. That's great advice. And I'm, I'm going to use it for our for me and my wife as well. So yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to work shifts together. If you're on the floor and she's in the bar, try not to do it. You know, make her work the night that you're not on or something yeah. so that the night that she's on, she's the boss, and the night that you're on, you're the boss. Yeah. Otherwise, you you know what I mean? It's just like the staff get confused. It's like, I, mean, I don't have children, but looking at who, mommy or daddy, who do we listen to? It's the same thing. <laughs> that's, that's such a great point. And I guess I, like, work, <laughs> that's working with working with that team and having 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 your partner there. Is it is it good that you've got a partner that's with you in the industry? Like, do you think you'd be able to sustain a relationship yes. if they weren't in, in hospitality with you? Probably not. Um, it is, you know, when you were in this, it's called a hospitality bug and once you've got it, you've got it. And it's, you know, as you know, it takes, it becomes obsessive and it takes all your time and you absolutely love it and no one understands it, like, unless you're in the industry. So I would definitely, yeah, suggest if you can create it, a family business with your partner involved, I do recommend that because it's also, you know, I feel safe knowing that he's doing the financials and looking after the money and that I don't have to worry about that. You know what I mean? And it's just whatever sector you can have them in, I feel like it is very good yeah, I support. Love, yeah, I love that. And and we, I've come from a family business and obviously, you know, I, I built Percy with a business partner but my wife's involved and um, that, trust, yeah. that trust is massive, hey? Yes, 100%. 100%. You don't have time to be looking over everything. There's so many different elements of it. You just can't see everything. So if you have people that you trust, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, 100%. And you, you've achieved so much in a short period of time. Obviously, you started in hospitality at 14, but really you kind of went into leadership and ownership, you know, in your 20s. What, what do you put your success yeah. to? You know, is there anyone, is there a mentor or, or you know, what do you, what made you successful? Um, just being persistent, I think. Um there was no mentor in hospitality here really because the people don't talk enough like they're starting to do now with our industry. Yeah. Um, but it was just being persistent and hanging in there because the first couple of years are really very tough and they're also not glamorous. Um, and it's still not even glamorous now really. Um, so just the, the persistence and hanging in there and having a really good support network of friends that support you as well when you are missing every party and wedding and activity on the weekends yeah. Not making them make you feel guilty. My friends are really good and they understood that. And, um, yeah, so just just hanging in there with the time that it takes just to kick off because once it does and you start seeing the rewards, it's so rewarding, yeah. which I'm sure you can agree. Oh, 100%, that feeling. This Because there's so it's many – Actually, what – Sorry, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, especially what you're planning now. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's so much, so much. Like the fear and doubt is just always there. Hey, but it's just, I guess, it's a matter of just, yeah. just you know, obviously, kind of smelling the roses along the way, as they say, you know. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Just keep working on it and take, you know, when you do get bad feedback, just, just you know, listen to it, take it, act on it, improve, um, and just get better and just keep going. Yeah. No, great advice. And with, with social media, so I, I originally, um, you were probably one of the first restaurateurs that I that I reached out to, which was super random from my part, and I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> That's but, all right. But you had you had you mean years ago? What's that? You mean years ago? Yeah. So I reached, we, so I, I remember yeah. I was driving up to Brisbane um, on my one year anniversary, um, and obviously at that point I still I really badly wanted to open a cafe, and and I was in I was in Sydney, but. Your Brisbane venue, um, Paul Paul, kind of popped up in my Insta feed, and I seen what you were doing. It was amazing, um, yeah. And you and you had an amazing um, your social media was amazing, and I think I think you were probably the more one of the first first kind of restaurateurs to start using social media in the cafe industry. 
Um, what, yep. what, what made you like, what was it that about Instagram or Facebook that kind of made you stand like say, Hey, I want to use this to push my business because you got a massive amount of following. Um, and back then it was huge. Like now, obviously there's a lot of businesses that have high followings, but back then there wasn't many cafes that had big followings like yours. Um, yep. what was it about social media? There, there was a real, um, yeah, light bulb moment for that. There was, um, so when the back of football, there was a window and we overlooked to like another cafe restaurant there and there was a you know, an influencer at the time, which I didn't even know what influencer was, and she was having a photo shoot um, just on the wall and they were taking photos. And then I seen this girl at the shopping centre, she had bright pink, pink hair, and I seen her at the shopping centre like a week later. I'm like, who is this girl? Like what, like what is this, you know, this kind of thing that's happening? And then I looked it up and I found her and obviously I saw she was an influencer and back then I think she had like 100,000 followers, which was going on 10 years ago. So she was one of the first. Wow influences and I see how that the fashion um stores are working with her to like you know as they do wear my clothes influence it and I was like oh let's do that with food so I messaged her and I said hey do you want to come in and eat you know eat at our restaurant in exchange for uploading you know make make our food like fashion is what I kind of thought of it and that's how that began and then that kind of tumble rolled from there and just made the connections and made sure I kept you know good connections with the people that were being influencers and then yeah obviously social media has grown crazy from there and so do you think the it still has the relevance today um as it did 10 years ago or seven or seven years ago there's definitely a lot more portals that you need to be on and i definitely think yes you still it still is very relevant yes 100 percent. you just have to be all over the shop it's not just Instagram or it's not just Facebook. You've got to be on all of them working. Are you, are you on uh, TikTok yet or not? <laughs> I'm not on TikTok. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm the same. I can't. I actually created an account for the business, but I don't know. I, I uploaded one video and I was yeah. like, no, it's just not me. <laughs> I know. There's just too many. There's just too many. I feel like you don't have to be on all of them. Yeah, 100%. But you have to just be in touch with social media. And do you and do you pay for for people to look after your social media accounts, or do you look after all of them yourself? Because you got a lot of businesses. So, so. we, yeah, we still do everything in house um, because I feel like that is definitely time consuming, but it's something easily that you can do. And also, um, the organic nature of things that come up in our business of you know storing you know things that are happening right now and specials and stuff like that. I just find it's a really like we can save a lot of money doing it ourselves. Yeah, true. Because I guess there is a lot of agencies out there that um, that do it. Do you think you'll ever use someone like outsource it? Yes, I, I definitely would. Um, it's just about finding the right person that I kind of trust um, and their price point. You know, giving me value for money of like how much they're charging and what how much they can do, which is you know better than what we can do internally. Yeah, totally. And talk, talking a little bit about numbers and and you know. Getting into the industry, I don't know if you were the same, but I guess we, I kind of went in to be blind and not really understanding wage costs, food costs, you know, the, everything that's kind of involved the hospitality industry. What's it – like how important – I mean, you starting out, what was your understanding of it? And and now essentially like, you know, you've got a lot of businesses. It's very easy. Sometimes high turnover can kind of mask our problems of, of how well the business is doing. Um, is there a, is yep. there a, is there a set percentage you aim for when you're working towards wage cost, food cost, rents, all those kinds of things? Um, there is, but I guess it also depends on which business model that we're doing because each one is different. Okay. 
So like the obviously like with the Thai restaurants is a bit different, and to the cafe it's going to be higher wages because it's longer hours. So if that makes sense, you know, like the nighttime restaurant is is quick. You know, it's pretty much four hour service, so we expect our wages to be a lot less than it would a cafe when it's open for like eight hours or or nine hours. Yeah, so obviously the the short you know dinners you have that shorter shorter hour um trading hours, but potentially higher turnover yes. with people you know spending more yes. on alcohol and whatnot. So. Um, yes, and, and obviously, how have you kind of developed with that as time have gone? Like, how well, we, how well, how good were you with numbers before then compared to now? Like, are you are you on the ball with? Obviously, you said your partner looks after financials now, um, but is that yes. something that you you guys are looking at every week, every month? Um, I think he's looking at it all the time, every day. He's on the ball. That's why you need to have someone that is on the ball, and I'm not <laughs> looking at so much because I'm doing every all the other creative stuff which I like to do. That's important. So I guess, you know, outsourcing someone in your business that knows how to look after something that is good at it so you can focus on what you're good at. 100% because that stuff, like I think I did it for a day and I absolutely hated it and it made me, <laughs> one, I'm not good at it and it was just like, I was like, I don't want to do this job. Yeah. And how does he do it? Amy just brought me And he does a good job with it? He's really good at it. Really good. That's Better awesome. than anyone that we've had so far. No, that's excellent. And I guess, um, you know, obviously with success, you know, success gets, gets a lot of the attention. But this podcast is obviously to help myself, help other people listening. Um, that It's also about the hard times as well. You know, there's there's a lot of good times, which is great, but there's also a lot of hard times. Um, a lot of things you've yeah. done has, has turned to gold and you've done really well flipping businesses and, done, and you know, bought and sold. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the failures you've had? Um, I know you've previously mentioned on another podcast um, one of your businesses called um, Sundays, which I think there was a council issue or a leasing issue. Um, can you explain yes. a little bit about that and also other experiences you've had if, if you know you think it's worth mentioning? Yep. So we probably had a lot more harder harder experiences than the good ones. Um, so you obviously, yeah, Sundays um, we got told from the landlord there that, yep, outdoor dining is fine. So we signed the lease and we kind of moved in going, yay. And then obviously we moved in and we installed these kind of, you know, heavy outdoor tables that we plan to live there. And, and then we just had a neighbour, someone, another business just complaining to council, council, council. Um, and then obviously they came out and they're like, you don't have outdoor permit. So we had gone into this place a bit naive not doing our due diligence and um, found out that we didn't have outdoor dining. So we had to spend a lot of money going through council and getting new you know, plans drawn up of the building and everything required just to get that outdoor dining approval, um, which we definitely needed for that business because that business had no indoor dining. Wow. So that's like, yeah, so obviously we learn our lesson from that to make sure everything is done properly beforehand and not just like flying in there. Um, we've had, you know, we had it all my dad had, which was before we had picnic an Italian restaurant, opened it. That was useless. It was horrible. We didn't have the right chef, absolutely failed. Um, and yeah, we've had other businesses in and out through and just hasn't turned out what we thought would have been. Um, you know, of course the dramas of, of stress, which is of staff, sorry, which is, um, like no tomorrow, ups and downs there and obviously that really gets you down and you when stuff's happening you're like i never want to do this ever again but you find someone new who's good and then you love it again um so it's a real roller coaster as you would know um but yeah i guess the the good days are so good you have so much fun doing it that it's like so worth it the energy that you feel from like killing an awesome weekend service when it's just like you know awesome figures customers are happy the team works well together and you just like, even though you're so busy all day, you're like, it's just 
um, the best feeling in this world. I and think it, it's it's a bit of a drug, isn't it? It's like an addiction that that's yes. like, that that weekend service, like you say, where the staff are happy, the guests are happy, the food came out great, yes. the coffee came out great, no wait times, yeah, like. <laughs> And then we exactly, have a- and you survived it, <laughs> and you're like, "How do we do this again next time?" And then, and then when you get in the groove of that, you know, starts happening, and you have all your systems in place that it's easy, then you're like, "Okay, you got to go open another restaurant." Yeah, so true. Yeah, <laughs> once- <laughs> whenever, because I always said I'd never do it again. So, um, yeah, that's obviously not. Yeah, <laughs> and here you are, bigger, 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 bigger than um, ever. I think, I think that's uh, one thing I wanted to kind of touch on what you said a little bit about the. Um, you know, obviously with the lease with, with Sundays, because Sundays is one of your more recent venues, but I guess it doesn't matter how yeah. long you're in the industry, you just got to keep keeping an eye on everything from legal, from the legal side, council, yes. leasing, um, just yes. essentially going through everything, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I, I, it's something that I've, you know, I'm very like I've got a great business partner that deals with the stuff that I don't like to deal with, like that stuff, that yeah. those kinds of things. And, yeah. and and we've been very lucky to kind of catch a, lot, a few of those little, you know, those little clauses in your contracts and whatnot. Yes, exactly. Um, and like even the new fit-out company that we're using, um, they're doing that all for us. So there is people that can organise that for you. Um and because it's a new build where we're going, but yeah, I guess when we just we went into this little suburban coffee shop with a really nice landlord that we we're dealing with directly, we just kind of were like, yeah, cool. If he says so, you know. So you just got to make sure that you know that's not the case. So you have absolutely checked everything. Yeah, honey. and you don't know as well. People don't teach you. This is your first time. No one tells you what to look for. It's really quite scary and overwhelming. The the contract side of things. Yeah, it's it, it is very overwhelming. That's why you got to have those right people around you, right? Yeah, exactly. So you need to have like, you know, a good lawyer, always get the lawyer just looking over your leases and all the paperwork because, yeah, even when I look at things still now, I'm like, oh, I just get bored reading it. So I'm like, please, professional, <laughs> go through this for me. Just tell yeah. me where to sign. Yeah, totally. And I think it, so just just on that, when you find a new site, I know obviously a lot of things in-house, like you said, you've got your partner looking at financials, yourself kind of designing, creating, um, your dad's there in the background kind of essentially more mentoring, if anything, now at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. Do, do you have anyone else in your team that kind of looks after the legalities or do you just kind of hire a lawyer each time kind of? We, we we have we have a lawyer now and he is our lawyer that we do everything goes through him so he knows um obviously what what we do in our seller business and we just everything goes through him before anything's signed it's like we'll send it to him and once he said yep good to go then 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 we sign and move forward and, and Georgina, talk talk to me a little bit about um, mental health and, and how it's affected. You know, obviously this is a big topic in in life, not just hospitality, but obviously there's a big stigma in, in hospitality. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Um, how it's you know if it has affected you, you know, and also like what's the conversation going on right now about mental health in hospitality? Um, yeah, it definitely has affected me a lot more when I was younger um, and dealing dealing with the stresses for the first time. Um, the same with my best friend. She's opened up a coffee shop in the last year, and she's kind of learning everything that you know I went through at that that age. Yeah. Um, it's you know taking try not to take you know everything personally. You know we are going to have grumpy customers actually quite often, and they take their their bad days out on us and and the staff. Um, so just you know educating everyone and teaching everyone not to take that personally. You know, normally it's because they're having a bad day. It's got nothing to do with you. Um, making sure, you know, that we, you know, back in old hospital days, it was like, you know, make everyone just work crazy hours. Now, like, we don't allow that. Like, we actually try and tap them, you know, a lot more stricter. We don't want you working too much. We don't want you working a second job because then you're too stressed, you're too tired. 
you know, if you're not feeling up for it, if you're having a bad day, especially if we know someone has, you know, any personal issues, try, you know, make time to sit down with them so that we know and just let them know it's okay to have a bad day. And if you call me and say, I don't want to work today, well, I can't work today because, you know, I'm having a panic or something, attack, you know, that's, that's no problem. As long as, you know, letting us know so that we can be aware of it so that we can um, accommodate to you when you have those issues because it is so common now anyway. And, of course, we don't want you coming to work if you're stressed and having a panic attack and you can't give good customer service anyway. So it works both ways with, you know, giving them the time and then us just getting someone else to cover. Yeah, totally. And do you think do you think do you think hospitality kind of exposes the mental health kind of a little bit more? Like I know for a fact that I I didn't really like I suffered like massive anxiety when I first opened Percy's, and I think you know a lot of it was yeah. brought on from the pressures that I put on myself. But do you think it's hospitality yeah. that kind of puts a lot more pressure on us? Well, yeah, I think because you know the pressures that you put on yourself with these expectations, because everyone also forgets, especially everyone forgets that we are human so all the customers when they're giving us uh, you know the pressures of whatever it is that we're going through they forget that we are human oh my coffee's not so good today this barista was was shit you know this barista is still a human making your coffee and you don't know what's uh, what's going on in her life so i think that is that's why there is a lot more mental health issues Mm. in the industry is because we are not treated like humans i feel and should, there, um, should there be more of a so conversation about that, like with the guests and, and with people and kind of posting more on be, socials? There should be, 100%, 100%. And that's something like if I do get a compliant reply, I always put that in my you know, reply, you know, just, you know, my, my, my dish wasn't, it was bland. Just letting you know, you know, we make it, you know, by chefs from hands and they're human, they do make mistakes as well and I kind of just remind them of that and then often, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, they're really kind to reply after that. But it, exactly, it's still, you know, and we want to stay, you know, servers with human interaction and hospitality. People escape their day to come and talk to us and have that interaction. So we want to keep this business human-based as long as we can with all the technology coming. So we have to make sure that, yeah, we do get treated fairly and we look after our staff and we keep everyone happy and friendly so that we can give good service. Yeah, I love that. And is, has there ever been a time in the last um, 16, 17 years where, You've, you know, you've had, you've got to the point where you're like, nah, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Hospitality is like, I'm over it. Have you ever been through that point? All the time. <laughs> All the time. It's so bit- until probably the last two years, I would have that probably every every two to three months for wow. sure. Anytime something shit happened, I was like, fuck this, excuse my language. But this is, you know, I'm here slaving away, you know, doing everything and people just don't appreciate it. So, of course, that is a very normal common thought. <laughs> and so so with that as well, like it's crazy because obviously we all have that thought, but I guess what, what do you think it is that keeps – is it that rush that we talked about earlier about that buzz and that vibe that we get from a Sunday service, but what is it that makes us kind of – you know, we go through these hard times, but then we want to open another venue. We want to spend more money. We want to spend the savings instead of putting it onto a house or a holiday. What do you, why do you think we keep going back for more? I think it's the people. We love working with people. We love, you know, walking into work today, you know, every day and good morning, whoever the staff member is, and, you know, creating a happy place for them to work and impacting their life and then also impacting the customer's life who just comes every morning for her coffee or once a week for her pad thai or, or whatever it is. We get to bring joy into so many people's lives, like so many more than any other industry, and that is just electrifying feeling. So it's just so worth it for that. 
I love that because it's a hundred percent right. It's all about the people, right? Your your guests and your team. Right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It gave me goosebumps. So um <laughs> I guess I guess with me, like one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast, you know, other than being a great operator, um, a great human, I, I really want to emphasize um, you know, like women in hospitality hospitality and and essentially the impact they've had on the industry. Um, you know, twenty yep. to twenty to thirty of my staff uh, in our females. Um, they play a massive part in our success, but um, I guess it still blows me away that we still have to, you know, we're still having to talk about gender equality, equality in life and every industry. And I look at women I know in my life, or women that I know that have achieved so much, and yet we still talk about giving yep. women the same pay and rights, etc. It's unbelievable, and it's and it's unacceptable, yep. right? Um, yeah. One, yep. th- one thing I want to know is is one thing I do know, sorry, is that you're a, you're part of the solution. And I think there is a, a is a term called um, uh, excuse, I don't know if it's the right term, girl boss. I think they call it girl boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yep. You know, you you've shown that you you can you can be a woman, you can still own multiple venues, you can be a leader, be successful, have a relationship, travel, and do all the things that men can do. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about um, about that? And if you feel like you have a responsibility, or if you want to create more awareness, and, and what we can do to help. Or what we can, um, or what can be done to bridge the gap? Well, I guess just give more, you know, give the girls the confidence to do it, give them more access to leadership roles. Uh, I think actually all my managers are, are girls. Um, and just, yeah, give them the confidence just to be able to have those opportunities because, like, they're really, they're really awesome at it, especially in, in our industry. And anyone can do it. I don't know, I don't know even why the whole, equality thing is a thing anymore it's unbelievable, um, yeah yeah but they can do it and and um they're probably actually better at this job than men if i am to be honest because we are softer i 100 um, agree <laughs> like, women are so much better at this job than men like uh, hands down <laughs> yeah at this yeah for sure so it's just yeah giving everyone you know the confidence that, that they can do it and you can still be assertive and you can still make decisions and you can still say you know be do the what the bossy things that that we have to do in this role and that, and that's okay and it's easy to do you just have to have the confidence that you can do it and then you can do it and, and what do you think you know obviously there's a lot of male operators there are female operators as well but what do you think why, why are women scared to take the leap is is, is it because they want to start a family and they think they can't do both I, I, yeah I've, I've i definitely running their I own business so. sorry yeah yeah, I think, you know, maybe they just follow a certain direction that most people kind of go in and they kind of get into that little race of it. Um, so just, yeah, we've got to just change change the path for everyone. And someone really good for you to talk to would be Kate from Nodo. So, you know, I don't know if you have already, Nodo no, no, no Donuts up here, Brisbane? Oh, I, I do know the business. I don't know her personally, but I'd love to chat to her, yeah. Yeah, chat to her because she's just had two kids and she's still opening up more stores like crazy um and you just have to learn to you know manage it and figure out you know what you want for your plan but there's no reason why when i have kids i won't be walking around with that little poncho thing with my baby and serving <laughs> plates and continuing on as i go nice. <laughs> i don't want to be sat- sitting at home for months doing nothing so you can still do any job nice. you know, with the family and be a good parent and you just need to have the support support around you pretty much to, you know, help you do it. Yeah. You know, I can't speak to people that don't have support, but if you have support, people that want to help you with that, then you can you can do it. There's no reason why you can't. And, and so what advice would you give to women um, who want to open their own business, you know, if it's hospitality or whatever mm-hmm. business it is? Just do it. You're going to kill it. 
That's and awesome. send me I a message that. and we can chat about it. That's <laughs> awesome. And then you end up being like me and just sending messages all the time. <laughs> Um, what, 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 what do you think, um, what do you see as a difference that women can bring into the industry compared to, compared to males? We are just, just, we are just softer. So I just feel like, cause it is a service business, we can deal with everything in a softer way. Um, it just, it just has that, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a soft groove when it comes to, even if it's just, you know, giving someone a warning or even if we're letting someone go or, you know, the bad things, we can do it softer, we can do it kinder. And the positive things, you know, uplifting your team, giving that support, you know, girls are more, you know, you're awesome, you can do it. I'm so proud of you. Guys don't naturally speak like we do. So we do bring that level of, you know, ability to help people step up and just soften the blow with bad things. Um, if that makes sense, but maybe this is that nurturing thing that females have, which is what you, is needed to require to work with people and also to serve people. hundred percent. Cause you're dealing with a lot of young kids as well. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, people. hundred percent. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and, ha- and has the stigma um, with women in hospitality changed since you started? Um, yeah, I think so. Like it's just, yeah, it's getting a lot better and it, it's definitely the norm. And, you know, actually aside from that, I want to actually make it more, not, not the male and female thing. I want to go more in the direction of like hospitality is a real job. Like I hate it when people are like, Oh, did you get a real job? You know, from working in this, yeah. that's what I want to really <laughs> heighten more is like, this is a real job. You can have a really awesome life. And there's so many people that have left their real job corporate careers to come do this and they're so much more happier. And why is this not called a real job? Mm. So that's kind of more the direction I would be going in of like it's a real job for both men and females. Just you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Because you have you have in like you're here in Paris where, you know, there's there's forty year old waiters or waitresses that, that it's a career, you know, they love what they do and it's a career for them. And yeah. And I guess you grow Yeah. And what do you think? Do you think that's a big part of your growth is that because you, the, you know, the more stores you have, the more ownership you can give to people and you, you can make it a career for them? Yeah, 100%. And I love doing that. And I love being able to promote them and teach them more and giving them opportunities and showing them, you know, new skills and, you know, saying, you know, even one day having some of them, I would love some of them to buy into the business with me or open up another one together or even if they go do their own, knowing that, like, I actually have a couple of staff that have, been with me and gone off and opened their own um and that's awesome you know like i'm happy to be like i love interviewing people and when they tell me i want to have my own cafe or restaurant one day that's the people i want to hire because they you know they want to do this so i just yeah i just want to make this more of a thing like europe as, as you said that you can have a really good life doing it and there's no problem just because you're bloody cleaning tables doesn't mean it's not a career yeah i, I totally agree with that and and how do you feel um in general, how, how has hospitality changed since you started? Like, well, you know, the, the good and the bad. Um, well, it's definitely a lot more competitive. Like, I can't believe how many places have opened over the last 10 years from what there was, like, legit coffee was just the coffee club and now there's, you know, a little boutique coffee shop in every corner. Um, so definitely a lot more competitive. Um, but also everyone has to step up their game for that reason. So everyone is, you know, educating, you know, in every aspect um, just to be better. 
Mm. And and being obviously having that, like you said, having that co- extra competition doesn't matter if they're better or, or worse. I guess that you know, if there's a coffee shop next to you, that isn't, even if it isn't great, people are still going to go and give it a shot, right? And they're going to go buy coffees. Yes. And, yes. And so it just means you just got to yes. be on your game every day. You need to make sure, like, yeah, hundred percent. Like when we had a new shop open next to us at Purple, I said, everyone, like, everyone's going to try that. We need to up our game and make sure that we have every reason for them to come back here and just, you know, we can't afford to lose our customers we want to you know we need every single one coming here so it just makes you be competitive pretty much when there's new things open but but that's good that's healthy you don't want to just settle and be complacent so it's just being on top of your game constantly improving constantly coming up with new ideas new specials training your staff and just improving and being better and surviving yeah, that's. I, I think you're 100 percent right. The competition kind of. Um, it's great to have competition because otherwise we kind of get lazy with new menus and, and specials and things like exactly. that. Exactly. So, yeah, and what do you do? Exactly. How do you um, essentially like? Obviously, you know, you love to go to other venues and try different places out. Yeah. Do you do that a lot just because you enjoy going out, or is it a bit of research, see what they're doing, sequence of service, menus, food? Is it a bit of both? Yeah, it's definitely a bit of both. Um, you know, when I'm there, I'm definitely – obviously some hospitality people get really, like, anal and watch everything. I, I actually am very relaxed and I just, like, see what they're doing that I like and that I don't like. Um, but, yeah, it's good for learning for inspiration and just seeing things that – even things that they that they do that you don't like that you might be doing to go and make sure we're not doing that anymore or just remind the staff not to do that because I went there and it wasn't good. And then also things that you do like that you can bring back to your to your own work because there's no better way to learn than going to, you know, the new restaurants that you love or inspire to be own one day and just learning from what they're doing. Yeah, I guess learning from others that are doing a great job, right? Exactly. And, exactly. And, and, what's and then you get a free meal, a meal out of it when you're learning. <laughs> it's, that's very true. <laughs> and what, um, what, which venue do you see in Brisbane at the moment? Yeah. That's abs- other than your venues that are absolutely smashing it. Um, so the the guys that own Same Same and Honto and have just opened up Agnes, which is booked out the rest of the year. Wow. They just have the magic touch, and I just love like. They do awesome, awesome restaurants, which and they do every element of their restaurant awesome, and they just booked out like crazy. And I just think they're absolutely inspiring what they're doing. So I'm going next week to their new restaurant. I booked so the day that they released book reservations, I booked and I had to wait three weeks to get in. And then obviously it was in like the media wow. that they booked out for a whole year. That's yeah. like, it's like a concert, like a booked out concert. You can't, <laughs> you can't get into. Yeah, legit. It's crazy. It's I'm like, what are they doing? Why can't we be like that? But they just have some magic thing that they do and they just constantly book out. So what is it? There is a couple of groups. Obviously, there's the Chin Chins. You know, they, they open one in Sydney and Melbourne. Yes. They did an amazing job, like unbelievable service, food, everything. What do you, what what makes yes. someone get to that level? God, I've got no idea. <laughs> Years of experience. Yeah. Um, money, money behind them to obviously big budgets for marketing and everything. Years of experience, you know, having a top chef, you know, they're, they're the ones to look up to aspire to and get there one day. Um, and they're the ones, yeah, they're just good motivation. Yeah. Like I, I look at them now as motivation. It's, you know, my dream to have a restaurant like Chin Chin, which is just also booked out and the queues that they have in Melbourne on a, Friday, Saturday night, like what people wait hours in that line in the cold, which is absolutely crazy. Like that's just the dream. Mm, yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and how do you um, – obviously a lot of these places put a big emphasis emphasis on, on training and whatnot. How much training do you do with your staff? 
Um, definitely not enough. <laughs> I'm working on doing more of that now. It's actually what I'm spending time doing now that I have a bit more time. Um, yeah, but I definitely, that's also something that I feel like there's not enough stuff on the internet for to help everyone do and something that I'm working on that I want to do to share. But, yeah, just spending time one-on-one and making sure the manager's uh, passing that channel of training down to every new staff member. Yeah, I love that because essentially when you get to, at the moment, I think you have uh, six venues, it's very hard to kind of streamline the training through everyone and make it authentic and make it real, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard thing. So, yeah, I'm working on some things now to kind of make that better and make sure everyone is on the same page. And, and what, um, out of all your venues, what are you most proud of and why? Um, definitely my teams because everyone at each different place, um, they've all become their own little family and each different venue is a, has a completely, like the teams have a completely different personality. So like when I hire someone, I'm like, oh, you're not going to work here, but you're going to fit into this other team. And it's just because it's based on their personality and I just love the teams and and that they've made their own connections like without me. It's just really nice to see. That's all. And do you, with the hiring process, do you hire everyone? Sorry, do you interview everyone yourself? Yeah, I'm still pretty very hands-on with that one just because I have the most experience in interviewing and and hiring. Um, So I do most of that, yes. And what do you look for? What's a a, a positive that you look for when they, like what's something if they say you're like, yeah, I'm going to 100% hire them and what's, if they say something and you're like, yeah, no, this person's not going to get the job. So knock at the job is I'll ask them if they like to go out a lot on the weekends <laughs> and if they say yes, that doesn't work for hospitality. Yeah. Um, and a yes is um, I pretty much ask them to tell me about themselves and, you know, what, what inspires them and what excites them. Um, and I kind of go from there of how much energy they have of, of pretty much positivity towards the world and people. I can kind of see that from that answer and that it helps me make the decision whether they go to a trial or not. Mm. Okay, and kind of shifting conversation a little bit. When you we spoke a little bit before about reviews, and, and you know, sometimes someone will say something nasty online. Um, yep. How do you, yep. how do you personally deal with reviews? And then once you've kind of read it, you've dealt with it. How do you how do you handle it? What, what's your reply generally? Yep. So I I know now not to take everything personally. Um, definitely, the first couple of years it was very um, stressful and would give me make me and dad or anyone who's very anxious. So I don't get anxious anymore. Um, I always reply and say, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to write to me and share your feedback. I really appreciate it. Um, I address all the issues that they have mentioned um, and I, I try and do some form of something of, of giving us, you know, hopefully you can give us another go um, and I just word it really nicely and I always forward it on to the chefs and managers to see to make sure they know exactly what has happened so there's, you know, areas for us to work on. Mm. How do you how do you feel about um, the review platforms? There's so many now. Like from like there's there's so many. How do, how do you do? How do you cope with it? What do you think about that? Sorry, like what do you think? Do you think it's fair? Do you think there should be a bit more of a process for them to leave a review so that way it can you know it might not be honest or yeah, hundred um, percent. There's there's too many portals now. It's very hard to manage. Um, but then again, I do love the feedback if we can have it. Like we always try and encourage, obviously, um, if there's any any issue, I would much prefer them to write to me directly and then obviously good reviews we want online. Yeah. Um, but that's nothing that we can control. But I wish there was some portal where we could manage all elements together 
So at least for us as the owner that we could kind of respond to everyone in one place because it is very hard and all over the shop. Um, and probably, yeah, I think Google and stuff just shouldn't allow bad reviews online really because it doesn't happen to other businesses like it does to us. And it could just be one one bully or one person that doesn't like your business just slamming you and then it brings your whole Google ranking down significantly even if you have the one you know you could have 90% good and you get this one one star and it brings everything down which is gut-wrenching and um, br- so yeah I definitely wish you go yeah sorry going yeah you're right yeah I just wish there was a bit more of a you know at least we, we could delete some things or we could report it and Google would take it down more easy you know I don't know and what, and what what would you tell – obviously, you know, this podcast is, is essentially for anyone, but we want to – you know, obviously it's for myself and people in the industry that people want to learn and grow. But if someone's listening from yep. a, from a um, guest point of view, what would you tell them before leaving a bad review? Just if you have – I would always just email the restaurant directly uh, and give them the opportunity to fix it before writing it online because it's just, it's just not necessary to slam a business online and it just hurts. Just remember that it's a business owner, it's human, whatever's happened, they haven't done on purpose. So just email. You can, even if you want to send a big aggressive email, just do it directly so they have the opportunity to make it right rather than it being on the internet for the rest of the world to see forever. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I remember the first bad review. I got, I've mentioned it before. I, it, I struggled for a week. Like it was like I couldn't sleep properly, you know. Yeah, and it could have been this. It could have been a bad review about this new staff member that you just hired. That you know they could have maybe you did let them go and you did fire them and you did agree with the customer complaint. You know what I mean? Mm. It can be something as that, but it doesn't need to be on online forever. You have to have the opportunity to fix it. Yeah, totally. No, that's some um, great advice. So if anyone's listening, don't leave a bad review. If you <laughs> yes. Um, Georgina, do you do you consider yourself um, a leader? Is this something that, you know, do you think if you do consider yourself a leader, do you think it's something that can be taught or, or do you think you're born with it kind of essentially it's kind of in you already? No, it's something you can be taught for sure. It just takes experience. Okay. It's just you have to go through things to experience. You have to have the bad reviews to feel that, you know, that anxiousness that you felt the the first time you had it for a week, you don't have that anymore. You have to have it happen so you learn and then you get better. Anyone can learn this. So anyone can be a leader? Anyone can be a leader, for sure. And and, and someone that um, I think is a leader other than yourself, obviously, is, is your dad, Ray. And I've got a lot of time for Ray. He's he's such a good man and he's, his hospitality is amazing. I've only obviously met him a few times, but he's just – he's so yeah. hospitable. When you when you meet him, he wants to feed you and he wants to chat to you and he's just such a great guy. Like what, yeah. what influence has, has your he dad? Was, well, he was born with that. That's him. I love that. <laughs> he has that personality. <laughs> That's something that can't be taught. Um he and that's why we work so well together is he's just very relaxed and, and chilled and easygoing. Um I forgot what the question was about him. So essentially, um what what impact has your dad had on, on your career and on your life? Gotcha. He's just been um like a constant support. So he's always just been supportive of me and my crazy ideas and me wanting to do a million things and open up shops and do all that stuff he's always just been my number one fan and and just a big supporter of me so that's why I said at the beginning if you have a good support team um that just believe in you and and help encourage you to do things and anyone can do it and you can make it happen yeah I love that and and is your dad still involved with the business today um no he just gets to roll around 
um, and enjoy the high life of having restaurants, kind of you know, free food and that. drink and no stress. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's um, he's well. Please give him a give him a big hug for me um, when you speak to him. I will. Next. I will. Um, I've only got a few <laughs> more questions for you. Um, what's yep. what's three things you want people to say about your venue after they've visited? Um, <coughs> definitely, I want them to leave and say that the staff were friendly. Um, that's the mo- the best thing for me because if they say something wrong with the food, we can fix that. Um, so yeah, definitely want them to leave saying friendly, friendly service. You know, uh, great, great, tasty food, and also atmosphere as well. Good answers, I like it. And what? Um, Thank you. What? Uh, COVID obviously impacted everyone. Yeah. Um, what? Yes. The hospitality industry massively. How did it affect you? Yes. Um, and and yep. how are you going now? And essentially, how? Do, what do you see the it affecting the industry in the future? Yes. Um, so I think everything that's been put in place now will be around for a long time with regards to future and checking in and the online bookings and things like that. So obviously, yeah, we um, were very lucky that we had online ordering beforehand. Um, so that's what I would tell anyone to always do with a restaurant because if you can have t- dine-in and takeaway, it's extra revenue. So, we, yeah, we got hit hard at the beginning as everyone did um, and now opening up back you know, just to talk about Pawpaw, who was a, a full walk-in restaurant, we now take bookings all the way through um, and that's been actually good for us because we've actually got reduced staff because we can see the bookings and manage it a bit better. Um, that. So that's been a major change that we've done in the way that the business runs and we will stick with doing that. Of course, we still have walk-ins. It's a cafe. We still have that. But on the weekends now, we are mostly um, booked all the way through um, and then it just enables us to better staff control and run on less staff because it is bookings and we are organized. Mm. And so you'll take bookings for two, four, six, seven, it doesn't matter, just whoever wants to book? Yes. So, yeah, bookings up to nine people and obviously group bookings have to inquire, but we just have it up, our online booking system just programmed for a certain amount of people every hour um, so people can just book mm. book online. And, and obviously, um, you know, things like JobKeeper helped out a lot our industry yes essentially we wouldn't have been able to open for takeaway if it wasn't from JobKeeper but what what 100% once this is all done JobKeeper's finished how do you think what do you see the industry looking like in in six months time Um, definitely will be some closures of some other businesses and they're definitely obviously the obvious thing is the fine dining restaurants probably won't be around as much because um, I even just did a poll on the Purple Instagram. I said, what's your favourite Friday night thing to do, go out for dinner or takeaway? And it was more takeaway, which I was very surprised wow. with for a Friday night. So the way that the dining is going is, you know, especially with the internet, everyone just wants to have takeaway, watch Netflix at home. So the restaurant models will just change to more casual, easy access um, style food, which is what we're lucky that's what we do. So we, we did survive. Um, but, yeah, people just want good quality quick food you know they don't want these fancy long dinners anymore they just mm. want quality quick and easy and good for value yeah they still want the high quality food but just done casually right like it's it's like the exactly yeah. exactly yeah and and takeaway obviously is you said is, is a big part of what you were doing already but do you think moving forward a lot of yes. your business is going to be based around that Yes, 100% I think they've realized you know the less wages and everything you know they're making even like the little coffee shops doing coffee, if we do, you can do takeaway only and not having to be cleaning plates um, and be doing the same volume of coffee. So yeah. it keeps the wages down. 
Yeah, obviously wages and rent is is two biggest expenses, and and and, and rightly so. Everyone deserves to get paid correctly and whatnot. But I think at the same time, like it's such a big part of of a business that people don't realize the cost it yes. does to run a successful business. Hundred percent. And if you are doing more takeaway base, you need less a smaller rent because you don't have to have all these tables to dine in. Yep. And then it brings everything down. So like the the new place that we're building has hardly any dine in at all. It's going to be based mostly on takeaway. Oh wow, that's awesome! Um, yeah. So that kind of yeah. gets segue into the next question. What what is next for you? If you whatever you can talk about, we'd love to hear. Yep. So I'm opening up, which is something that came out of COVID. We are opening up a bakery. Um, so during COVID, we started a pop up bakery at Paw Paw to survive to keep momentum going um, while we were in lockdown and could only do takeaway only. Um, and we hired as the most amazing baker and me and her get along like two peas in a pod. Awesome. And obviously we have, um, you know, the cafe, Popo, you know, with bread, croissants, bread rolls, everything there, Monocle we have, which we sell all baked goods. So we're buying in stuff from uh, from elsewhere. So, and obviously I've seen the margins in bakery, which is just awesome um, compared to normal, you know, restaurant plated food. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're opening a bakery, so we're going to have, you know, a specialty bakery and also supply to ourselves as well in our own stores. That's exciting. It's, um, so you're definitely not slowing down at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I've had all this time to plan new things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> obviously I know Georgina, you love, um, traveling and whatnot and, and how important is traveling for, for, um, essentially inspiration and, and, and kind of relaxing in downtime. Yeah, it's just really good because I find that I don't disconnect if I stay in the city that the restaurants are in. Yeah. So I try to get overseas, you know, Bali and Thailand as much as I can because when I'm in another country, I can unwind. Um, and also, yeah, just inspiration, especially because we're in Thai restaurants, the flavor and the ingredients that they're cooking with. Um, and just, you know, Bali's awesome because there's all these expats over there and different restaurants. And then even just going to Europe, wherever it is, you can bring some flair into your own venue. No, that's awesome. Great answer. And and I got one more question before I ask that question. Yep. Um, is there anything you think we can add to this podcast that can add value to anyone listening? Have I missed anything that you think is worth mentioning? Um, um, listen, you don't have to have a degree to do this. All you have to do is have passion and like working with people. You've got to be a people person. Um, make sure that you go and work in a coffee shop or restaurant before you open up a venue. Don't just go open up a restaurant. That's probably a big thing I feel like a lot of people don't do. Um, So just make sure this is for you before doing it. Um, But as I said, be careful. You can get the hospitality bug and then once you've got it, you've got it for life. Yeah, that's so true. That bug is isn't going anywhere, is it? Yeah, um, no. <laughs> that's awesome. So there's one podcast I listen to um, that I always – and you know, the final question he asks is how much of his success comes from hard work and how much of it comes from luck? What do you think it is? All hard work. No luck? <laughs> <laughs> call, no, I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in luck because my, my um, dad's partner, she's um, Indonesian and she's all like, oh, she brought, she said she brought him the good luck which came down. I'm like, no, I don't believe that. It was all hard work. Yeah. You know what I mean? You make it happen. You are the one getting out of bed in the morning and doing everything. You are the one at night working on everything you need to do. It is all hard work. So if you want to put in the hard work, it may look like luck, but you can make that luck happen. 
Yeah, I love that. That's you know, it's amazing because everyone gives me so many different answers um, every week that I do oh, a really? podcast. Yeah, it's amazing, and and I, and I'm I, I agree with all of it because sometimes I'll say you know I had a bit of luck, but that there is without any of your hard work, nothing would have happened, regardless of the luck, you know. Exactly. So that's exactly awesome. exactly. You put in the hard work to you know choose the location, and then you put in the hard work to be marketing it when you're there, and you put in the hard work to do everything that needs to be involved. So it's yeah. No, I love that, and that's a great way to finish um, the podcast, Gina. I'm, I'm so grateful that, obviously, not just for today, for for always kind of answering any question that I had, and 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 not blocking my number. And <laughs> you know. I always have time for you. I <laughs> uh, really appreciate it, and hopefully, once this all comes down, we'll um, either visit you guys or you come down, bring bring your partner and your dad, and and we'd love to show you the venue. Perfect. I can't wait. Thank Th- you so much. Thanks, Gina. Have a great day. You too. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.